the No Limiter Podcast, where we interview top business owners, entrepreneurs, and creators in every industry to help you set records, breaking, breaking months. Here's your host of the No Limiter Podcast, Regina Eileen Woodard. You are listening to the No Limiter Podcast. I am your host, Regina Eileen Woodard. And today's podcast, I'm super excited to be here with my accountability partner, my sister. Should I say sister in Christ? But she is all the way over in the West Coast, the other side of the world. And uh, her name is Marchetta. She's going to always correct me doing this podcast, but hopefully she won't clown me on my own podcast. But we're going to be talking to Marchetta Hill all the way out of California. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a strong believer in God. She spent 20 plus years in the sales and marketing world, inspiring others to implement positive habits. And now she has a PhD. I know everybody's probably thinking a PhD in medical. (laughs) Well, guess what? No, no, it's not a PhD in medical. It's a people helping degree. Oh, you know what? I I think, I think Marcella, is that what you, is that what you do with me? (laughs) because <laughs> I didn't I didn't know well welcome to the podcast Marcetta how you doing today I am well Regina so thank you so much for having me I appreciate you as always got to give it back to the queen of Carlones, Miss <laughs> Regina Woodard <laughs> it's a pleasure you know what um you know it's my pleasure I want you to, well, I want to thank you for the opportunity to for joining me this evening, but when this podcast, we don't know where somebody's going to wa- watch it in the morning and afternoon or in the evening. We just don't know when they're going to watch it. But I wanted you to bless us with some simple things tonight. But I, first of all, I want to hear a little bit about you because I remember I met you, I want to say about five or six years ago, the platform I met you on, we, uh, we instantly connected. You know, when you're building relationships, You really don't know how and when you're going to be able to connect with the person. And to have a PhD, people helping degree, you got to be able to connect with people. But tell me a little bit about yourself, because before you had to connect with the people, you had to go through some stuff to get where you are today. Absolutely, Regina. So, yeah, when you and I connected, absolutely, it was a I like to think of things as like a divine connection when I meet people. You know, I don't I don't believe in coincidences, happenstance. You know, when you meet somebody and you connect with them, it is indeed a divine connection. At the time that we met and the entity that brought us together prior to that, as you read in my bio, I spent 20 plus years in sales and marketing. I was in the corporate arena and, you know, I got to a point to where I got tired of, you know, making income for other people. I was building up their companies and, you know, and some of the the policies were going against my code of ethics. And, you know, my husband at that time, you know, we made a decision that I would be able to, you know, leave that platform. And of course that was hard, right? When you've been in, in, in an entity for 20 plus years and now your environment is about to change, you know, change gets uncomfortable. So at that time, 
we made that change. Things started to happen. You know, when you go from having X amount of income to, you know, <laughs> things can take place in your life. So with that people helping degree in order to be able to do that, Regina, I had to help myself first. So when you met me, you met my authentic self. You met me, the person that's came out of corporate. Now I'm transitioning into entrepreneurship. You know, I had to help myself. I had to, you know, go back into that personal development. You know, when you've dealt with different types of losses in your life, you know, sometimes you have to recoup. Sometimes you got to revamp. You got to restart, right? You got to start to guard yourself from different negativities and things and say, hey, I got to go for this. This is me. So that's the place, Regina, to answer your question. That's that's about me. That's the place that I was in at the time that we've met. So fast forwarding, being able to redevelop myself. Let me stop you one second there, because in order for you to go to the corporate world, to the entrepreneurship world, why the sudden change? You didn't wake up and say, you know what? Hey, today, today I want to go from corporate to being an entrepreneur. <laughs> Tell us, walk us through on what happened and what, what made you make that decision because you didn't just wake up. You know, no. and I'm asking, I just, I want our viewers to just know a little bit about you personally, because you don't wake up and say, okay, yes, I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, were you thrown into it or did you plan it? That's a okay. two-part question. Correct. That is a two-part question. It's a little <laughs> bit of a loaded one, too. <laughs> Give you know, it to us. Give it to us. Give it to us. Here it is. In my field, I was very, very, very successful. Mm. Right. I was. I was a professional. I was. A, and and you know, you you in that sales platform, but I excelled, and I excelled to the point to where I began to think, you know, I have all these qualities. The reason that I came out of corporate, it wasn't that I just said, hey, I'm just going to leave this job and then I'm I'm going to jump into my own business. And no, it wasn't quite like that. What happened was in that field, in that arena, when I'm dealing with people, some of the things became harder to, to deal with. Some of the ethics and the moral character that I had to, that I possessed, that got challenged with what I was doing, right? Because I was in a field where, you know, people sign contracts. And so when people went through, you know, in 2008, we had that whole big old crash and, you know, people mm. were losing their jobs. They were losing their homes. But yeah. here I am in my job. I have to hold people in this position to a contract. See, that didn't set well with me. And so I kept going and going. The income was great. What do you mean you had to set people in a contract? For our particular services. So I didn't want to really get into the divisions since we're on air for our particular services in 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 the commercial industry people sign contracts for our services so those contracts Regina they ranged in the area from 12 months to 36 months and what type of services was it I mean because you know in order to get where you are now because you are a financial consultant I mean, what, what kind of contracts were they? I mean, you weren't comfortable because, I mean, now I know 2008, 2009 was a critical year for anybody that was in the sales business, right? Or was in, right. was in sales. So everybody either went up or they went down, they hit the floor and they crashed. So what were you uncomfortable with? with the I, was unco I was uncomfortable with, you know, um, withholding people to a contract. So say you, when you sign a contract in, in the waste industry, I was in the waste industry. 
Put it this so way. So you was in the garbage. You were, it was garbage. <laughs> it was, it's, it's, I'm just saying, you okay, can call it waste is garbage can, though, right? Like trash. You can call right? it garbage. You can call no, it rubble, but no, I was no, more so, <laughs> no, I was no. more so on the commercial end, not okay. the residential end, not your everyday trash. We're talking like dirt. We're talking concrete. We're talking, you know, businesses when they're getting rid of, you know, um, construction, that type of debris. Okay. So if a let's say if a, if a business is folding or what have you, when you sign the contract, that's a legal binding contract. Mm. If you can no longer fulfill that obligation, you know, you're going to be held to it. So part of my job also at that time was retention. I was very good at retention, you know, getting re restructuring contracts. But then when I when I had to cross over into helping some people in unincorporated areas who use large containers, some of those people were residents. Right. And so with the residents, when you go through financial hardship, you're holding a person to an agreement. They can't fulfill it. People may not know this, but some companies will slap a lien on your property if you are not holding up to that agreement. That didn't sit well with me at all. So not people at all. could not pay. So basically, what, not pay. what? So you're basically saying that you felt uncomfortable holding people to contracts because they could not pay because of the economy, because of their business, right? And Correct. that made you uncomfortable. It did make me uncomfortable. You know, a person should be able to be able to release themselves from an agreement. Now we know that there are legal agreements. When you sign the agreement, you, you agree for this certain period of time, but sometimes life happens. You know what I mean? Yes, you need to be responsible, but to me, it just wasn't, I'm, I, I don't see putting a lien on somebody's property for, you know, garbage as you, as you put it. I mean, so no, that was the uncomfortable. <laughs> that was the uncomfortable part. You know what I mean? Yes, my income was lucrative. Yes, I was very great at retention and man maintaining those agreements. Oftentimes, I would get in trouble because I'm telling people. I see I have a people helping degree, so that's what I did. I would help my customers and say, "Hey, you know, you need to do this. You know, to be able to maintain yeah. your agreement." I would get yes. in trouble for that. But again, yes. I have a people helping degree. And so I have a heart for people. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is not, this ain't gelling. This ain't gelling with my heart. So I struggle with that. But to flip to the entrepreneurial side, as I continue through that throughout the years, it's like, okay, I'm possessed these skills. I, I have a PhD. I help people, right? I know how to sell. I know how to market. You understand what I'm saying? These are things that I'm doing to build this Fortune 500 company. Hello, I could be doing this for myself. Yes, yes, yes. So that was the transition as well. So it was, it was, it was piece by piece by piece. But all of these factors came into play to bring me where I am right now, Regina. There you go. Actually, I learned a lot about you um, because I didn't know that side of you where um, you, you it was a retention. You know, because when you say retention, I'm thinking, okay, well, you actually a bill collector, but you just you just trying to maintain. You know, I mean, it's a it's a sophisticated word, right? I mean, I just brought it down to I said you said debris or I said garbage, right? But I mean, I just said that because I work at a dealership and we got garbage, right? But you know, but they come and they get the garbage, the debris, right? It's not residential garbage or residential trash, but with what you're doing is like retention to me is like being a bill collector, but you're looking to maintain that account. 
to keep right. it steady. You know, and that's bringing it to right now. You've been a financial consultant with the PhD, people helping degree. That is how you help people keep their life together. Is that right? Correct. Correct. That's also coupled with education as Mm. well, which is key, Regina. You can give a person a solution. You can tell somebody to budget, right? This is what you need to do. Girl, you need to budget your money. Okay, but if you don't show them how to do that, if you don't equip them with what they need, with the tools to be able to do so, just saying so is not going to get a person somewhere. So that educational um, piece is vital. Also, uh, like me, I know that there are millions of Americans, especially like in that baby boomer genre, which we're in. We didn't raise we weren't raised taught about money. We really weren't, you know what I mean? As far as the, the aspect of having a budget, right? The aspect of you need to have good credit, the aspect of you need to watch your debt, you know, even going over into you need to have a living trust, right? You know, you need to have a, a financial lockbox or these things where you keep all of your, you know, your financials. You know, I, I came from an era where parents were working, hey, paycheck to paycheck. You know what I mean? They had the kids. The kids was the babysitter. You talking about a budget. The budget came down to, hey, this is what we got for dinner. This is what we got for bills. You better fall in line. That's the budget. You know what I mean? It wasn't no check, (laughs) no balancing like that. Yeah. (laughs) I I remember, I remember at one time, you know, I was thinking, you know, I would always ask my dad for money. And I, and I I was like, you know what, go on in the backyard and go get that money out, that, that money out that money tree back there. You know, (laughs) it wasn't really the money tree, but the money, actually my dad had the money in a special place in the house. Besides keeping it in the bank, he had a special place for money in the house where if I needed some, some lunch money, it wasn't gas money because I wasn't driving, but if I needed some lunch money, some store money and I just went on and went to the hiding spot where he put the money, right? But I really, really didn't start thinking about daddy got to pay bills. This is what daddy makes. This is what mom makes. You know, you got that, you know, three children. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand about budgeting until he sat me down when I, every time he turned around, I was begging. I mean, (laughs) begging, dad, can I have this? Can I have mom? Can I have this? Can I have that? And he had to sit me down one day and he said, this is what the bills are, Regina. You know, you need to start thinking about that. So everybody, what you're saying right now is what everybody don't get. And I'm I'm so blessed that you're saying that. But besides me running my mouth, let me ask you this question. This is and I know you you've been married. How many years have you been married, Marcella? I have been married for 32. It will be 33 years this year in December. 33 years. You know, I I mean, how is it? You know, I know I'm about to get on subject, but you've been with the same man majority of your life. Did did he get better looking? I mean, what? I mean, did you guys, you guys, I mean, you know, I know how my brother looks now. My brother's fine, right? He actually got better with time because I, you know, I, 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 I snuck back on the Facebook pages today and um, I did a little looking at the old the pictures from back in the day. And I look at you all right now and it's like you, you guys are like growing older gracefully and, 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 and taking it to another level. Because usually when you look at couples grow, they, they, they don't grow together. They go, they grow outward instead of inward. Does that make sense? I know I'm not married, but does that make sense? 
Yes, Regina, it does make sense. But to answer your question, you know, when you when you think about the entity of marriage, marriage is a covenant. A covenant is an Here agreement. Here we go. Here we and go. So, and, and sometimes people have, you know, covenants are deep. You know, people even have blood covenants. When you think even about fraternities and sororities, those type of things are covenants. You know, you know, the cues, they get branded. You know, it's a covenant. It's a bond. Um, the longevity of that of that bond, it takes work on both parts. And so you have to come in, you know, people say marriage is 50, 50, you know, you give your 50%, you, he gives his 50% and then y'all make that hundred percent. You know, that's a misnomer. I'm going to tell you right now, marriage is sometimes 100, zero. Sometimes it's 30, 70. Sometimes it's 50, 50. Sometimes it's 20, 80. When you come into that covenant and you make that agreement and say for better or worse in sickness and in health, you better mean it because those times, yes, those times are coming, you know, and when you need to have these talks prior to marriage, what I would encourage anybody, hey, know about people's credit situation prior to you joining the hip. Okay. (laughs) You know what? That that leads (laughs) That leads into my question. What are three things that you would give individuals that are looking to get married? Whether it's a husband, wife, wife and a husband, or wifey, wifey, hubby, hubby, or whatever, because we have all type of things going on, you know, all type of marriages um, at this day and age. But what would you tell someone that's entering into a marriage? Three things that you would tell them before they get married. What would you... What advice would you give them? Because, you know, I know somebody's going to be taking notes because you have, is it 33 years and 34 years in December? 33 in December. 33. So give me three things. Three things. Number one, make sure you are equally yoked. What I mean by that is make sure you're on the same page. It doesn't necessarily mean on the same page Financially, you may have a little bit more in the bank than she does and vice versa. What I mean is, is as far as your mind, right? Your mindset, that's number one. You know, if, if you're an A type personality and this person is a C, D, E, F, and G, you know, you're going to run into some problems. Make sure that you are equally yoked. For my husband and I, we share the same spiritual yokeness, if you will. I know everybody's not going to come from that place, but to some degree, you still have to be unified in your mind, the thought process. Secondly, you have to ask those vital questions. And and this is a loaded question, Regina, to try to to get down into, into three things, but get to know the person. What I would say is, you know, when people, when you're, when you're first dating, you go through this phase that's called like the ecstasy phase. That's what we like to call it. You goo goo, gaga, kiki, you know, he look good. She look good. You bringing your best self. You know what I'm saying? Y'all lovey dovey. Ooh, it's a, it's a blissful time, right? Make that joker mad. Say something oh to piss that person off. Make mad? You need, yes. You need to see how that person is going to react in those type of situations. Because once you get married, some people think, okay, we in there, we got this agreement. I can take my wig off. I I can just be myself. You need to know how people are going to react. with your wig on? So you said with your wig on? Look, that's a whole nother segment, Regina. With your makeup on? You know what? In my early years, I did. This is why you, this is why it's vitally important that you get to know that person first. Right. You got to be with somebody who's going to be comfortable with your authentic self, whether you got makeup on, whether you don't, whether you got the toupee on, whether you don't, 
you know, be your authentic self. And so those are the questions that you need to ask. Like I said, make make a mad. You need to see how somebody is going to react. Thirdly, again, marriage is a covenant. When you're coming in nowadays, people are just, you know, you marry today, you can write it off the next day, right? People go get divorced the next day. It is a covenant. It's an agreement. Make sure you're ready for that agreement. Like I told you before, people got liens and still to this day, get liens put on their property for breaking agreements. But we take marriage and say, hey, I can just get rid of this joker the next day. What's that? Didn't you say for better or for worse? Now he got diabetes and now his foot cut off and you got to roll him around. But now you want to go see Jimbo. It don't work that way. You said for better or for worse in sickness and in health till death. What do we part? People take that lightly. So that's what I say. You know, it's it's work. If you treat it like a job, if you treat it like your business, if you pour everything into it like you would at your job, you put that into your marriage. Are you in the market for a new or used car? Whether you're in the metro Detroit area or anywhere in the U.S., call or text me at 248-301-0461 and I'll go to work on getting you the best deal possible. That's right. We'll deliver anywhere in the U.S. Call or text me at 248-301-0461. I love those three points you you gave. So what are three financial points that you would give individuals besides what you just said? Because that's that's huge. So what I'm saying is that's over here. And then you got the gaga, goo, 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 but you got the three (laughs) points over financially. What three financial questions or four questions that you should ask your spouse or your friend, whoever that you're marrying, what's what's three or four things that you should find out before? Because being in the automobile space um, for 24 years, you know, I see a lot of uh, married couples and they don't know their financial situation until until they need something from each other. They don't come together as one or, you know, they just everything is just separate. Good points, Regina. To answer your question, I would say know where that person is financially, is knowing where where the person who you are getting ready to align yourself with financially is vitally important. So nowadays we're in a time where you can ask those tough questions. You know, what is your credit score? Do you know your <laughs> correct? My credit score is 350. <laughs> do you know your credit score? You know what I mean? Um, is it three digits? But do they all three add up to three or <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You know, you don't have to disclose everything that's on your credit, but these are these are important questions that you need to ask. You need to know where that person is financially. What is your credit score? Let's talk about what are you how do you feel about saving? You know, what are your what are your goals 5 to 10 years from now as far as retirement? Right? These are vitally important questions that you need to know. You know, how do you feel about joint bank accounts? Because a lot of married people have separate bank accounts, but you're as one. And especially if you're living in a community property state, such as I live in California. What does that mean? What does that mean? Community property? Community property means that when you're joined together and you're married, his property is your, it's community property. What you have together is community property. 
So you need to know how that person is feeling about that. You know, are we going to have separate bank accounts? Which I personally feel as married people, you should not. You're as one. So everything you do should be together. But some people do whatever works for you, but ask those questions. If you're coming into a relationship where one person has a much higher income than the other, but you, you, you love this person, you need to know or be prepared for these questions. What about prenuptial agreements? Mm. You know, I mean, I, I have a daughter, I have a son and a, a son in love. You know, you need to ask these questions. You don't want somebody to come in and just totally wipe you out. And if you don't ask these questions prior to, and then one day, you know, you're in the relationship, you didn't got, you didn't got past that ecstasy phase, if you will. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't, <laughs> no more guy, guy, Google. Go, right, right. Y'all want to go buy a car. They come see you, my queen, right? They running credit and, and, and somebody <laughs> ain't together, right? Then the other person mm. is just now finding out, as you stated, well, you're not quite where I thought you were because people are going to give you, they're going to show you their best self, right? Just like with, with Facebook or Instagram or what have you, these are highlight reels. You know what I mean? People ain't going to get on there and just show you, they put their credit score and show you their real self. They want to show you their best self. So you got to dig past all of that and ask these questions. So do you think that, okay, honey... Can I pull your credit? Let me see what your credit. Let me look at your credit report, honey. Honey, I got mine right here. You know, do you think a person would be offended if the the, the spouse or their fiance or whatever would say, "Hey, I, I want to pull your credit. Give me your give me your social security number, and I want to pull your credit, and I got mine right here." I wouldn't go so far as to <laughs> that's loaded. I mean, let me, let me pull I, your credit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, credit. I mean. You, I mean, okay, I, I work at a dealership. I can pull your credit. Okay, but, okay, you get your credit report, right? And let's look at it. Let me look at yours and you look at mine. Is that is that not, I mean, you, you're a financial consultant. So is that something that, is that okay to ask being, you know I mean? You're being, you, you're about to be one, right? You're gonna, you want, you're gonna share things together. You're gonna come into the relationship maybe when you're older, you come in a relationship with maybe, more than what you had when you was 21 or 22. So is it okay to say, let me see your credit report? I would say this. I would I would lay it on the table. Let me see your credit report. That could be very, very offensive to some people. My point is, you know, we say it, you know, jokingly, you know, what's your credit score? But the bottom line is, Regina, bring that to the table. Are there some things on your credit that maybe I should know about? You're right. That's that, why you that, That's a better way. You know, You're right. Thank you. Or there are some things in your past that, I, you know, financially that, you know, you you should disclose because here it is. We're going to come into agreement together. Our finances are going to be merged, you know, and you, is there some things that you need to tell me about? You know, have you had any bankruptcies in the past? You know, do you have any current tax liens? You know, anything of that nature, because later on, you may be purchasing a home together. The mortgage company is going to ask these questions. Yes. You best believe that. They're not going to, they, they're not going to ask. They're going to look at your credit report. And Absolutely. everything's going to be on that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I don't think we we tend to learn enough about each other. We find things too, you know, much too late in the relationship. If you ask, here's the thing. If you are legit, if you're an honest person, if you truly care about the person that you're about to align yourself with, then what's what's the problem? Okay, I had a bankruptcy. You know, I went through a certain situation in my life or what happened. Life happens, mm-hmm. but I got it cleared. This is what I'm doing. This is what's taking place. You know, you don't want to just surprise somebody out the blue. So yes, these are tough questions, but such is life. I would much rather know and then know what I'm dealing with and have a de- and make a decision based upon those facts than to just, you know, go flighty flighty and get something caught up, you know, get caught by something by surprise. In someone else's finances, you know, when people, you know, um, when people get married, you know, I know that they when they get married and they grow up in the church, you know, they have the marriage. Is it what do they call it when you you have the counseling before you get married? Marriage, marriage, marriage counseling. Marriage counseling. So I had marriage counseling before I got married. Right. But, I, but I'm not married now. So that's why we already had the marriage counseling. Right. <laughs> but but I, what I get my point is. um, with the marriage counseling, you find out some things maybe you did not know about yourself, right? And what is your advice? Even though a person may not be in the church, because you have individuals that are not in the church. Do you think, how do you, let me let me see how to phrase this question. Because not, not everybody's in the church and everybody needs to find out their financial situation. You know, should it be financial counseling? Besides church counseling? You know what, Regina? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Me, yes, I'm a person who's, I'm a spiritual person. I I, I don't want to say spiritual. I have a personal relationship with God, and so does my husband. And yes, we both grew up in church. When you're having counseling of that nature, these aspects are still going to be covered. I know. I can only speak for my pastor, you know, um, but that aspect is covered. Just what I said to you, you need to know a person's financial state when you're about to, you know, get married or, or join that union. You know, when a lot of times when people think of church, we have so many religious biases, but it's about a personal relationship with God first and foremost. And God is about life, right? He gave it to us. So these are still practical principles, whether you're in church or whether you're outside of church, it's still practical. It doesn't make a difference just because you're in church. You, what, what do you expect for people to say? You know what I mean? Girl, pray about it. Pray about his finances. No, this is well, still life. You need that's to know. That's what they say. Girl, you need, you need to know. You need to know. <laughs> Prayer changes things. I'm an advocate for that. It absolutely does. But let's be practical. Let's be practical. You know what I mean? Take the religious part out of it. You still need to know we're on this earth. We're still living day to day. We still need practical principles to be able to operate our lives. You know, God says that he gives us the power to get wealth. So obviously he wants you to have it. You know, you can't get wealth with a low credit score. He wants you to have it. He said, above all, I wish you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He wants you to have it. So yes, you have amen. to have these conversations, yes. you know, whether you're in church, out of church, it is still a practical principle. Yeah. So I, I want to next, I want to next, I want to talk about 
some of the services that that you offer to individuals because the services that you offer, I know you mentioned them in the beginning. It doesn't matter whether you're married, single. It does not matter. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I know you help people get their credit together, but what other services would you want to want to share that that's important that you would want the community or the podcast listeners to, to, to actually know that you do, okay. that you offer the services that you offer? Well, number one, the, the flagship service is credit restoration. So providing people with tips and tools on how to restore their credit. But I'm always going to go back to that education component, which is what you know we also do as well, educating you about credit, the importance of having good credit. What is a FICO score? What are other credit scores? A lot of people don't know that, you know, there's more than one credit score. FICO is not the be all end all. You know, you have car credit, you have insurance credit, you know, you have a Vantage score, you have a FICO 8 score. There's there's multiple. So educating people is key with that service as well. Not only restoration, but teaching you the tools to now you're in the process of restoring your credit. Well, how am I going to build it if I never had it? So we have those tools available as well. Some people, you know, like some old school cats, you know, they they still use cash. They, you know, that cash for everything. I pay cash. They say cash is king. But the, cash the is of, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But cash does not give you credibility. Credit is your blueprint. It's your resume. It's your mm. financial resume on paper. You know, you can't, and unless you rolling like that, God bless you, you know, where you're going in and you buying, you know, $500,000 properties and paying cash. That's cool. But you need credit in this system to be able to operate. So again, that restoration and that building component as well. Um, I did mention debt tools. You know, mapping out a plan, if you are that person where you've gotten into some debt, you know, sometimes we can bury our heads in the sand. We don't know what to do. So having that roadmap and and mapping it out to be able to get you out of the situation that you are currently in. Budgeting, again, some people don't know where to start. So we have a tool where you you put in all your, your monthly expenses and it'll map you out a role plan. Wills and trust. This is vitally that's important that's in this, this time. Mm-hmm. Wills and trust. You need to have that in place. Do GoFundMe's or not insurance? You know, <laughs> insurance. You need to have this. These are tips and tools, which are you know just the basic component components of financial literacy. But again, Regina, education is key. You know, I love that you say that because, you know, I met a lot of um, individuals that do um, credit repair, but it's the education. It's the tool to be able to educate individuals and to be able to know that, first of all, they got to trust you. I think a lot of people um, in this day and time wants the quick fix. And any, you know, it doesn't take you a minute. It doesn't take you a minute. It takes you a minute to mess up your credit, right? But getting it repaired is not a minute. It's a process. Um, I love the fact that you talked about the tools that you offer, you know, because, you know, you, 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 I have, I remember, um, actually, I met a lady a couple of weeks ago and she was telling me, well, yeah, I do credit repair. This is what I charge. This is what I do. And, you know, you can just go to this website and do this. But it was no walking, walking me through the process. Right. And, 
She said, well, I need to sell it. I need to, I need to take it to your customers. And I said, well, how are you going to take it to my customers? Are you going to educate it? Are you going to talk to them? And then I said, I thought about you because I know that, you know, you walk everybody through the process. You have tools in place to help that person. So if I know anybody that needs to get their credit repair, because 60, 60 to 70% of my customers myself have bad credit or I always like to say bruised credit. And I'm looking for someone as yourself to be able to do what? To walk them through the process. I know that when people hear the podcast or the snippet, they're going to automatically be drawn to you because you have that voice. Every People can talk about what they can do, but they don't actually be able to really be about their business. So I endorse you. I back you. You are my accountability partner. You actually been my accountability partner for what? Five years, six years. No, since 2017. Is it 17? 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 19, 20, That's just four now. That's just four, Gina. I know it seems like forever. Well, I had, I had to count, I had to count in my hand and you know, Everybody needs an accountability partner. You know, everybody needs someone that can hold them accountable. It's even about holding you accountable to pay your bills, holding you accountable to doing whatever you say you want to put, you want to do, or you put out in the universe, whatever your goals are. So is there any last things you want to leave with anybody? How would somebody reach you? You have a website, you have a telephone number. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they reach out to you? Marchetta, Marchetta, Marchetta Hill with the PhD. That's right. That's I have a people helping degree. And so if you would like to have a free credit consultation, I do offer that. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Shetta Shares. And I'm going to spell that out for y'all. That's C-H-E-T-T-A Shares, because that's what I love to do. I love to share with people tips and tools to propel them to the next level of success. Also, you can call or text me at 858 858- 753-9171. You can text me. You call if you want to leave a simple text. Just leave me a text at credit and I'll get back with you. And yes, we have a financial roadmap that'll take you from point A to point B, step by step. I like to call myself the credit confidant. That's what I am. You confide and I provide you with Ooh. tips and tools to propel you to the next level of success. Yes. Thank you, Regina. Yes. So share the shares. That's where you'll find me on Facebook and as well as Instagram. And again, I'll plug my number 858-753-9171. Thank you, Regina. Well, ooh, I think you did your own commercial right there. I want to thank you for being on the Low Limited podcast and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Regina. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Limiter Podcast with Regina Eileen Wooder. Remember to subscribe and review the No Limiter Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and the No Limiter Podcast YouTube channel. Every listen and review helps to get this podcast out to as many no limiters like you as possible.